Before we begin today's episode, we have our patrons over at Patreon. They are Aperba, Nate Hansen of Hansen Screen Printing, Rock the Green, Andy Herbrandt, Lauren L., Paul Campaneshi, Kelby Goodman, Greg Whalen, Zach Duran, and Daniel and Cara Lighting. Thank you guys so much for supporting our podcast. Hey, welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. All right, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast, your weekly dose of the dairy state. We are your hosts as always. I am Eric. And I'm Russ. And today we are discussing some of the lore from our own hometown in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. This is out in the outskirts. And uh, the the boonies, if you will, technically Sugar Creek. It's yeah, it's out in the Sugar Creek uh, township area of the of the Elkhorn area, far far uh, away from the downtown Christmas card area. But uh, neither you know either way, we uh, we we have this really neat story uh, that I think some of you crime junkies uh, will find very interesting. Um, and uh, we are discussing what is known as the murders at the Chalet restaurant. Uh, that is, uh, again, the outskirts of Elkhorn. Um, it has reopened uh, recently, uh, and it's called something completely different. Uh, and uh, this one was actually brought to our attention by Russ's brother, uh, Matt. And he requested that we cover this because, um, you know, he remembered that, you know, there was a lot of these rumors that kind of surrounded this our thing. small town speak. Right. If you will. Exactly. So, you know, uh, we wanted to kind of get this out there, uh, talk a little bit about uh, the different involvements and and we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit here. And uh, uh, we are going to discuss uh, what is known and then also the speculation. So uh, not to be confused, we're not releasing any new details on the case or anything no. like that. Um, just literally just what, what has been known, reported and then some of the speculation exactly. and then some of the, the weird stories that kind of surrounded everything in uh and, and that's as far as we will go. <laughs> uh, we have great Wisconsin music today as well. Uh, band to be named in a little bit. It's kind of special-ish. Um, we also have a great beer review today. Another edition of the infamous How Many Locos You At. And uh, if you have not already, uh, please be sure to rate, subscribe, like, do all that stuff on the episodes and, and on the podcast. Um, that little task really does help. Uh, you can find links to all of the special stuff at wisconsindrunkenhistory.com. You can find all of our social media links right there. So if you want to find our Facebook and Instagram, there's links for that right there. Links for our Patreon, like we said at the top of the episode. Those are the individuals that take a little bit of cash out of their wallet to fund uh, a few of the things and keep the lights on here. And uh, we really appreciate that. And if you want more information on that, there is a link there, uh, as well as our T Public site, which is... It, it's it's going to be going away soon-ish. When we can afford our own. Merch. Right. And we're already working on limited edition stuff with Nate Hansen at Hansen Screen Printing right now um, that we'll be releasing 
very soon, potentially with the hopes of getting this into your hands at Christmas time for gifts. Now, these are very limited number items. So if if they do well and things, we'll, we'll look at doing more. Uh, but these are going to be hand hand embroidered stuff at a local shop in Elkhorn uh, from a friend of ours, you know, who is uh, doing great things in his own screen printing and embroidering and, and signage business. So we wanted to get that, that partnership kicked off the right way. And so we figured a limited run of, of specialized items would be really cool to do. And again, these are going to be embroidered items. So very, very high quality stuff here. Um, and, and only done on the highest quality materials as well. So we've handpicked the brands and, and the, the things that we want to use, um, handpicked the, uh, the, the logo that we're going to put on there and everything. And it's, uh, we can't wait to get it out to you guys. I know we're, we're probably, you know, putting the cart before the horse. Uh, we don't have anything to show you right now, but I promise you it's coming soon. I have been in talks with Nate for the past like week and a half, two weeks. So it, it is coming. Um, without further ado, why don't we just jump right in here? And uh, again, this episode is the Chalet Murders. Yeah. I guess before we begin, we have to uh, say a little prayer for our friend uh, Linda Godfrey, who passed away. Oh, yeah. From yeah. our hometown. Um, she was a reporter, probably most famous for the Bray Road Beast, but she was also, I think she worked for the Elkhorn Independent, writing she did, a lot yeah. of articles. And uh, we just wanted to say uh, we're, we hope uh, everyone is okay in her family, and we wish the best wishes for her. And Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I would say to uh, give the family space, you know, uh, don't go right. And if you know anybody personally or anything like that, obviously do what you can do. But um, obviously very tragic. Yeah, losing somebody is it's pretty it's sad. Tough. She was like a kind of a hero of our hometown. I mean, yeah. she brought the Bray Road Beast to everyone's attention. She was our author. Like I mean, writer, one of those reporter, one of those very special individuals uh, that that you know devoted a lot of her life to uh, to that and and uh, and wanted to report you know the the awesome things that happen around that city, and uh, she'll be uh, dearly missed. Yeah, definitely. And the, so the topic we're talking about today was probably one of them that was actually featured in the Elkhorn Independent. She probably did cover this one. Yeah. So the small our small town had a restaurant called The Chalet, which was kind of like your sit-down, somewhat fancy diner, bar, bar grill type deal. Yeah. It wasn't... Um quite a supper club but the lighting was was kind of similar it's pretty um, neat it was like old wood and everything yeah and they're like like a supper club the, the decor was definitely that of like supper club um and and i would say even some of the food items would have been uh tasty enough and of chef quality uh we knew a few chefs that had worked there eric wadika another individual of ours uh good friend but he had passed away too uh just about a year ago and uh but he had worked there as a chef, and uh, and and he made some really great culinary items. So uh, definitely a good quality food, but not necessarily known for you know that that fine dining experience. And and also being out in the middle of nowhere was kind of tough. Yeah, and so there's a lot of speculation of what happened. Um, we've heard things growing up, driving past there, that the place was haunted after this happened, that this was a potential mafia hit yeah. as the owner had some kind of ties to the Chicago mafia mob, um, yeah. that maybe the assassination, because I guess two of them, two of the people suspected were part of the Latin Kings that they were paid by the Chicago mob to right. take him out. 
We don't actually can't speculate. We're no, just, we don't. It's and, all speculation, right? It's it's all speculation. So we don't we don't have any in, uh, information that to say, you know, definitively that that is true or not. But those are just all the things that you know happen to be, uh, you know, rumoring around. You know, people were whispering. Yeah, we even have a local band from uh, our hometown called Night at the Chalet who yeah. uh, pays homage to the chalet and the events that occurred there. And yeah, yeah. It was it was pretty horrific was for it? Corey Prefke was yeah, in that and Yeah, and uh Kaylin Cavalucci Kay- was Cavaluzzi, in there for yeah. a while and but yeah, I mean there are a lot of rumors obviously, um, but we're gonna give the article to you guys in its full entirety of what actually happened here. Right. And this area, like I remember that people talked about there was ghost hauntings in there. I can't confirm or deny those. I've never actually been in there to investigate. Um, yeah. I don't have my EMF reader yeah, or whatever. I, I don't have a sick like affinity shirts or anything, <laughs> so I can't technically go in there screaming at ghosts. Yeah, I don't have that. my Osiris shoes and, and uh top notch uh you know, uh, white stitch jeans. <laughs> but these are the actual facts surrounding the case. So this was actually from um, the uh, the article from Wisconsin, and it was actually posted on tonight at the Chalet's thing. So I wanted to give the full, I guess, picture of what happened here, and just so you can understand how horrific it was for such a small town in Wisconsin when this happened. Yeah, and, and, and before we jump into that article, I just wanted to say, too, that, you know, I had been at this restaurant Many times growing up, it was uh, only a few miles down the road from uh, where I lived. And if if you're out in that area, you'll kind of gain an understanding uh, for just how little there was to do out there. I mean, to get to the the chalet from from my childhood home, you're driving through farm fields essentially. You know, just a county uh, country highway rather. Just county road A. Exactly. I mean, it's just and a long so stretch. in order to get there, you see nothing but farms and little like rural type uh, uh churches and stuff, you know. So you know, there wasn't a ton to do out by, you know, my my house growing up. My parents would frequent some of these local restaurants and bars and, you know, as is, you know, customary, you kind of gain a relationship with these individuals. We knew this individual, Frank Fazio, uh, pretty well. Uh, my parents were also bar owners for a short period of time in the 90s, in the late 80s to 90s. And so that community, you know, would, uh, I mean, th- what it was called the A-Run, the yep. old ba- the old bar hopping. It like Tubby's Twos, Blue Overall. Yep. yep. Like. And then, you know, even back further than some of those, you were like uh, Connerty's down by Lauderdale and, and some of that stuff that stretched even off of County Road A. And uh, so it was very customary to stop at each one, have maybe a drink or two, catch dinner at, you know, whatever. And then, you know, you're home for the night by, you know, 10 or 11. But, you know, this individual, uh, he he owned this place. He was quite friendly and and was, you know, just a really nice guy. He would greet you. He would make sure that your meal was going well. And, uh, you know, it was just a, a small town place. You know, yeah, that's exactly the, the overall resounding idea here is we just want to set the mood that uh, the, the place was small town and, and just very friendly and, uh, you know, not by any means this big city restaurant that had a ton of, you know, patrons, a ton of, uh, you know, uh, individuals flowing in and out. It was really just the locals. Yeah. And because like I, I'm guessing, you know, people thought he had a lot of money um, being tied to like Chicago, Chicago Mafia. Um, right, because you know, that was a rumor before he was murdered. In like, like the eighties, supposedly had some connection to the Chicago mob. Right, so that rumor had been floating around plenty before any of this other stuff happened. You know, so 
there was always that, and, and you never know. Like Frank might have have tried to play that up. I know going in there. I know you remember it. Turtleneck and chain, oh, yeah. couple of gold rings, um, slicked back hair, and uh, and always had you know like a you know like a Cadillac or something. You yeah, know? just people thought you know with that appearance, somebody right. like that has a lot of money. So I'm guessing he was a target. And it's fun to play it up. You know, if if, if somebody thought that you were some yeah. you know big wig. Wouldn't you just play it up a little yeah, bit? Yeah, heck yeah, slick my hair back. Like, hey, there, guys, how you doing? Slick your like, ass hair yeah, back. And slick my ass hairs. And <laughs> just streak them in, dude. You dial up your Cadillac check, and get in there, man. Check out these pubes, hey. Get but, a shitty chain from the Walworth County Fair. Speak like Andrew Dice Clay all the time. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. The Dice Man. Hey, there, check out my Cadillac, hey. Yeah. But, so we're going to read the actual article. Um, but before we begin, I guess I wanted to just say that one of them was an employee. And uh, that's kind of how they entered the restaurant here. But here's the article from our hometown that was actually published. Four Wisconsin men have been arraigned in the slaying of restaurant owner in Walworth County, Wisconsin. Authorities said Friday, Ricardo Vela, 19, of Delavan, Wisconsin, Matthew R. Schumacher, 17, of Delavan, Wisconsin, have been charged with first-degree murder, intentional homicide, with armed burglary, armed robbery, and arson. Theodore uh, Krawcheck, 21, of Sharon, and Jason E. Brash, of 19, of Delavan, have also been charged with party to the crimes of felony murder, armed burglary, armed robbery, and er arson. The men are accused of killing Frank L. Fazio, 52, who was beaten with a baseball bat and stabbed more than 20 times in an apartment above the Chalet Restaurant in Sugar Creek Township on December 1st. And this was 1999, just so you know. According to the Walworth County Sheriff's Department, police said $350 were stolen from Fazio's apartment. One of the four suspects who had worked for Fazio, which is what I said, I right. believe Matthew I Schumacher. I think it was Schumacher, but I can't, I can't, I can't remember exactly. It, according to the Walworth County Sheriff's Department, police said $350 was stolen from Fazio's apartment and one of the four suspects who had worked for Fazio. Fazio 52 in Sugar Creek Township was found dead as by the employees in the apartment above the restaurant on December 1st, 1999. Walworth County Sheriff deputies found a bloody scene in the apartment. Fazio's body was lying on the floor with numerous stab wounds to his face and neck. Fazio had also been hit in the head with a blunt object. Some assume it was like a baseball bat. I would imagine, yeah, some big piper bat, you know. And according to Walworth County criminal complaint, a deputy found two butcher knives in the kitchen sink, one of them bent. Fazio's bedroom had been ransacked and the kitchen cupboards open. His wallet was on the floor next to his body. The office in the restaurant had been broken into. Gasoline was spread in the basement and had been ignited, damaging the restaurant. An autopsy showed that Fazio had been stabbed more than 20 times, which is fucking outrageous. It's pretty man. brutal. Um... Yeah, yeah, totally overkill. And according to the criminal complaint, the medical examiner found no defensive wounds on the man, so he was pretty much taken by surprise and well, didn't and I would actually imagine, hold up his hands to block. I mean, and I would imagine that blunt force hit first. Mm -hmm. That probably completely knocked him out, and he wasn't even able to defend himself because he's not even conscious. And knowing Frank, you know, he was probably willing to invite them in, so he'd be like, "Oh, I'm going to make you a drink," kind of, you know what I mean? And that's right. when they overtook. Especially him, if it's if one of those in, in, individuals is an employee. I'm sure he probably thought, okay, maybe this guy needs some help. You know, maybe yeah, their exactly. car broke down or something. I can, I can help. And that was the kind of the speculation that he came saying that he needed some help. And because right. Frank knew him, you know, obviously let him in. Like, and was a he, decent guy. Yeah, you exactly. Know? And so Vela allegedly told sheriff's deputies that he and Schumacher went to Chalet with plans to steal the money. Fazio recognized Schumacher when the two men knocked at his door. He let the pair in when they had car trouble. So yeah, there was exactly. actually car trouble involved. There you go. Fazio allowed the pair to use a telephone, according to criminal complaint, and then said he would give the man a ride. 
As the men uh, were sitting on the couch and putting on his shoes, Schumacher hit Fazio in the head several times with a baseball bat, which I assumed at the beginning. Well, and I think you and I remember some aspects yeah. of this. Now, again, this was 1999. Russ and I were like 12 years old, 13, 14 years old, something like that. So, And according to the criminal complaint, uh, Vela said Schumacher then stabbed the man until the blade of the knife bent, which, I mean, that's take some force to do, which is pretty brutal, to be honest. Right. He reportedly then went into Fazio's kitchen, found another knife, and again stabbed Fazio. After robbing the apartment, the pair allegedly decided that they had left too many fingerprints and um, were attempting to burn the building down. Brash allegedly told deputies that the four men drove to Fazio's apartment December 1st before the restaurant opened and Vela and Schumacher went in. Brash allegedly said he believed Vela and Schumacher intended to uh, borrow money from Fazio. He then saw the two men emerging in buildings carrying boxes of alcohol and put them back into the vehicle. Schumacher reportedly said, I killed the guy and robbed him, producing 350 in cash as a rumor to, which is just outrageous for $350. You know, like yeah. somebody's life is worth way more than $350. Well, and, and just think about it in this terms, man. Like, and I told you this on the way over here this morning. Um, I, I've got like $300 cash in my wallet right now. Like the, the, the idea is here. I mean, what what is this all for? It's chump change. Three hundred and fifty dollars, you know? even in nineteen ninety nine, doesn't buy you anything. It's not going to fix your car, even if you did have legitimate car troubles. Like three hundred and fifty dollars is just that'll get you, you know, a, a two weeks of groceries, maybe. Yeah, right. I mean, come on. Uh, and and to be fair, too many of the we see too many of these stories on you know crime tv and, and all this other stuff where these individuals try to take the easy way and try to steal from people and and end up obviously murdering these individuals which just turns around and makes your life done yeah for sure you're not going anywhere now you know and there's been rumors and stuff now that and you can actually go on to ccap and and look at um his appeal hearings schumacher that is i haven't looked at any of the other three but Schumacher has recently had, you know, parole hearings, trying to get out, trying to get a new trial, trying to claim that, you know, he, he's a better person and he was only, you know, 19 years old or whatever. But that decision that you made that night for $350 to try to steal money from somebody, that was what ended you. For sure. And I mean, there was like growing up, I, I remember there was something to do with the, I think it was a rumor, but something happened in the dumpster, like they mafia dump bodies in there or something no you know idea. what i mean like when growing up you hear all this stuff and really wild stuff we yeah. knew something really bad happened there and when you drive past a restaurant it's actually pretty haunting even today when i drive past it's because that location is so weird it's literally in the middle of in nowhere. the middle of nowhere there isn't another business anywhere within five miles yeah and then you get to duck in when you're like five miles up the road right you know it's yep. like there's once nothing. you get to, yeah exactly once you get on 12 to highway 89 there the cross intersection a and 89 or whatever is is or a and 89 not not 12 but yeah once you get to a and 89 you're like okay there's duck in there's a couple of smaller businesses small little town but there is nothing out there There and then all of a sudden there's plopped this weird looking like castle dungeony looking building yeah that's a restaurant i mean growing up we heard all these rumors and like even when we go on like road you know like roadies i guess you would call them as a yeah. kid like you drive past and there's just something so haunting because that's how we road. always went to the janesville mall yeah and exactly. that was the closest mall that we could get to to go shopping at you know uh, for school clothes and stuff and um 
again, like you said, you drive past there. It's and the it's lights haunting. are off and it's haunting. Even just before, nothing you know what happened. Yeah. Even before he was murdered, you drive past there and you're just kind of like, that's weird. There's just a restaurant sitting out here, you know? Yeah. And just, just a really nuts story. And uh, there was actually more that happened at this location, actually, in 2006 of August, August 10th of 2006. Um, there was an Illinois man shot himself twice in the car outside the chalet restaurant on Wednesday. The body of Bart McLaughlin, 40, of Lakemore, Illinois, was found dead in his car by the property owner at 11.20 a.m. He had a gunshot wound to his chest and a second to his head. McLaughlin was uh, reported missing and uh, possibly suicide Tuesday in McHenry County, Illinois, and the Walworth County, um, John Grable at the time, um, a suicide note and a 38 caliber handgun were found in the car, which was parked behind the uh, building that we've been talking about, the chalet. Right. Which is just insane. I mean, like this, this has like just negative energy at this building now all around it, you know? Well, and, and just like you said, you know, you can almost imagine that, um, some of these buildings now where things like this happen just have that negative spooky energy. Yeah. And like, I mean, the the restaurant itself is like not super creepy. I mean, it's like the old wood walls. It's kind of divey a little bit, you know, but it's not like that bad of a building, right. but like just with all this negative energy, like every time I drive past, it was like haunting as a kid, you know, going to the uh, mall when I had my driver's license and yeah. You and know, and that I was, was only I was like in seventh or eighth grade at this time in ninety nine. So. Right. And so and then in two thousand six, by the time this other incident happened, you and I were both out of high school. You and I both, you know, still lived in the area, we're still going to school in the area. And that again was just like a, another thing at the chalet like oh my god like what what yeah. is happening at this place i had just graduated when this like i graduated yeah. in 05 so like this was like a year after i graduated i remember yeah. hearing about it. i'm like what the heck like this place has just like the gnarliest history yeah like any anybody who would still get involved with this place is uh brave yeah. or stupid because yeah. uh this is just it's too crazy and it's too odd yeah, and I mean, it was just kind of like the rumor of our town. Like, And then, obviously, Frank Fazio moved to Wisconsin to start his bar, um, had the mafia ties. So that, like, it was always a thing. Like, the mafia paid for an assassination, like, because of how he brutal the in, crime was. He was in witness protection. Yeah. That's why he had to move to Wisconsin and, and get away from, you know, the, the past life or something. All of those theories and rumors we came don't, out we of can, the woodwork. Yeah, we can never positively say that or not. Because, he, like, supposedly in the 80s, he had some tie to the mafia, whether it's being you right. know, a low-level member or a distributor or something for them. I have no idea. Right. Yeah, and, but coming and, from a small town. I mean, Elkhorn was full of rumors. I mean, That's like, the thing. <laughs> you, and then, you, you know, you see somebody at the grocery store. And you, you know, you can just hear the whispers of, you know, oh, that guy used to work at the chalet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he probably did something and then, you know, forever that was the thing. And then all of a sudden this next incident happens seven years later. And of course it sparks everything right back up. And, um, it's just crazy. It's just, it, the whole thing is wild. And, you know, again, even with this uh, supposed suicide of, of Bart McLaughlin, who knows? You know, now that you, you consider the fact that there was a gunshot wound to the chest and then the head. Yeah, I mean. I mean, do you live to, to be able to do a second shot to yourself? Could you? Or at that point, if you failed the first shot to the chest, would would you be 
you know, remorseful? Would you want to, would you want to call for help then or something? You know, and in 2006, we all had cell phones by then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, so may have been a ra- it may have been a razor flip phone, but we definitely had them. We definitely <laughs> had them, yeah. yeah. So whether he, you know, was was able to do uh to to carry out and continue the suicide after failing with his first shot or something like that. Now that's a story that that continued as well. It was, yeah, like, it was like a conspiracy. Was theory. this a yeah. hit? Yeah, it was a conspiracy. This guy's from McHenry, Illinois. You know, McHenry, small town in Illinois. Yeah. North yeah. of Chicago. Um does he do? Would this guy have had had, had ties to yeah, for mafia sure. or, or anything uh, underground Chicago hitmen? And so, but that again, something that just floated around yeah. for the years after. Um, like somebody drove him out there and did this, and then right. just put him in the seat or so, you know it, exactly. And coming from a small town, obviously, like you know, I have to say the sheriff's department's pretty good with stuff like this. They're actually Walworth County's probably one of the better. Well, they had they had a lot of. Uh, history with with different things happening and then obviously post 2006 we've had a bunch of different incidents happen in the walworth county area uh that suitcase uh with you know a couple bodies in it sitting on the roadside oh, yeah, in, in right. uh, uh outside of lake geneva there in uh um como i mean they've had they've had their fair share of things yeah they have the happen. experience uh, because that, of the there was a murder in east troy where they found bodies on that property just I don't know, five years ago, four yeah. years ago or something. So it's, it's it, you know, they've had their fair share of, of this, this quick media attention. They try to do their best to uh, halt the rumors, uh, you know, and, and put a quick stop to certain things and get information out as they can. And uh, like you said, kind of hats off to them for, for being able to uh, corral some of that stuff in a little bit. Uh, beforehand before it gets way too out of hand yeah exactly so but that's um, yeah that's going to conclude our main segment yeah the I main... Hope, hope you guys found our little hometown legend episode fascinating because like it's it, for me there was so many rumors i actually didn't know the true story i always thought until, like cause, because like yeah because like of all the rumors and everything yeah yeah know? up until yeah somewhat somewhat recent within the last decade you know um and there's a lot of information that you can find on this online uh I think the Journal Sentinel there for a while had digitized some of their stuff. I would say, go on there if you're into this crime stuff and and uh, and sleuthing, if you will. I mean, go and honest, check it out. It honestly could have a book written because there's like a lot of background information on Frank Fazio, like his life, and then obviously yeah. the crime itself, like what led to this. You it's know? it's relatively boring if you if you really get into it. Uh, if this is the truth, it's pretty much an nor- open and shut. Case, normal but- guy uh, from the Chicago area moves to the uh, the the rural area of Wisconsin to get away and and to kind of slow his life down a little bit. I mean, literally, that's like my parents' story. It's like a li- it's a lifetime movie in the making. Right? It is. Like, it's yeah. like Hallmark would take this it, one on and be like, "Oh, hey." It almost went Hallmark. Instead, it went to uh, what's the one that has all the the like crime, stoop, the crime stoop, investigation, but all like the the you know, it's the Hallmark versions of these. I don't remember the channel. We'll we'll, we'll put it's, it in there if since we it think is of the it. holiday season. It'd be Chicago man loses yeah. everything has to move up to Wisconsin to start a loses bar everything has to start a bar mistletoes in the bar some girl comes in swoops him away and makes they, him they begin their relationship when he's tragically struck down 
in the prime of his life at it's, 52. Then it just gets dark. It goes from lifetime to like... $350. goes from lifetime to married air. Yeah. It's like, it's it's pretty hard. Yeah. So, pretty I don't think crazy. Lifetime's going to take this one up. Paul Mark, if you do... Did lifetime is... Yeah, that's the one. Lifetime... Did I, you you were saying it the whole time, and I, and I couldn't even think of it. Yeah, yeah. That's how dumb I there am. There is, like, investigation discovery now. Like, there's so many... But like, Lifetime channels. is the one where it's always like... A cookie shop owner is murdered, and you're like, "Yeah, yeah, cookie shop." And then Jesus it like Christ. it like turns black and white, and it gets all sinister with the music behind it too. Like it goes black and white. It's like and Candace, uh, uh, whatever her name is from Full Houses, is, is uh, on there. It started off in a small town at a donut shop when all of a sudden things changed. And he was put into a white. blender. <laughs> he turned into a donut. He, he was put into. He turned into a donut. <laughs> The story turns wicked when he turns into a pastry. Oh my God, um, Jesus! But I would, I would definitely urge anybody if you're into that crime scene stuff. Uh, I mean, this could totally be an episode of one of those shows. Yeah. to be honest, it's it's just so incredibly crazy it would be, for a small town. You know how they can loosely base stuff, but they can still put that title on it that says "based on a true story." Yeah. Oh yeah. They could easily do that and then spin it a little bit and be like, "Yeah, he was you a real have, prominent figure." You have the, some like romance in it too, like a little bit. You gotta get. Yeah. It. Like a little crazy, like Schumacher's out in the back sucking off, whatever. He's behind a dumpster, just yeah. ripping, ripping a D. And somehow it turned into like <laughs> blackmail. And I mean, I'm with you, and and I think you and I we got to write it. All right, keep an eye out for keep an eye out chalet loosely based on the event. Yeah, loose, very loosely based, very loose. <laughs> the chalet is now a donut shop. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go on. All right, down to the music segment, of course. Uh, it's kind of what we're known for here in a way, other than being uh, stupid historians and uh, uh, Wisconsin lovers and beer, ex-beer makers and things like that. We love Pretty much all things Wisconsin. We love music. I, yeah, music and, is like our go-to. Yeah, and, and still, you know, Russ and I, we, we will message each other back and forth about these new things that we want to buy or music equipment and... And uh, I still buy guitars like they're going out of style. And, and um, Russ, if you had, you know, less kids and, and more disposable income, you'd probably be doing oh, yeah. the exact same thing I, as I've we been did. wanting this Jay Maskus Dinosaur Jr. guitar I for know. so long. It's I've been almost on my bought list. it for you like nine times. It's been on my list for so long. And I love Dinosaur Jr. And I, actually well, the Christmas band, is coming up. Actually, the band we're featuring today was a huge fan of Dinosaur Jr. from our hometown of Elkhorn. And I somewhat heard loosely that Dinosaur Jr. was fans of this band. They were, actually. And and I, and the I don't know numbers, that they I don't know that numbers. they ended up playing with them, but they were they were both out in California uh around the same time playing shows. And I'm pretty sure I had heard, you know, Jay Mascus at one time had caught a show uh out there. I don't know if it was at Soma or something, but um Russ, I'm gonna let you kind of take over on this one because yeah. this is way closer to you. Um I came in tail end here yeah uh to work with uh with you guys but yeah so my brother monty has had a band called uh subside from elkhorn wisconsin um kind of like made it semi-famous they made it to california did a lot of shows our our good friend sam drummer sam yeah slam and sam you may have recognized him from a couple we played a couple of his we have side projects yeah he has show. some side projects to social radio or uh did we do a social radio song uh yes we uh yeah we did I think we did we did, did Moen Jodaro which was me playing the bass that guitar. was you on bass yep. and uh and then we also did a I did a song with Sam this was before COVID this was, was Sam's 2018 
Um, I did, yeah, I did some stuff with him on his called Samso. And then I did a solo project of my own where I wrote everything. And then I had, uh, Sam actually get me a drum track yeah. uh, and he recorded. And so, you know, obviously with Monty and with Sam, we've gone on and done different stuff yeah. with them. Drop dead dream. Yeah. And some of our other bands are doesn't in. exist anymore. And all the we music can't even gone. find the music anywhere. Yeah. But no, I mean the the band is awesome. Um, it's been featured in a lot of like uh, maybe like the old '90s like uh, skate videos, skate videos and yep. stuff. And it's really cool. It's from our hometown. It's my brother. Obviously, he he passed away, which has been a few years ago. Yeah, yeah five, and five I, maybe. There's not ago. a day that goes by I don't think about the guy. He was a really yeah. great musician, and uh, I I definitely miss him a lot. Really, really into art too. Um, yeah, I know that he was really into to painting and, and creating different things. Photography. I know he was into. Um, and again, you know, just to, to bring back the idea of music, really good, uh, visionary in, in, in a way um, to be able to pick up an instrument, never learning guitar properly like the rest of us. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, just, um, just like he had the knack for like arranging, like arranging songs. Yeah. And uh, I mean, vocalist uh, extraordinaire. Uh, he could jump on to just about anything and put vocals to it. And also a lyricist. I mean, he could write, you know, Russ and I back in the drop dead dream days, like Russ was saying, uh, we basically brought a finished product to Sam and, and uh, Monty and said, can you guys help uh, just put the, the little final touch on this? And uh, we got the studio time in Madison and Sam put his absolute amazing drums to it. Yeah. Changed, changed things ever so slightly, but so much better uh, than what we had originally had on the track. And then Monty was able to come in and put um, an additional guitar track on to what I was doing um, to really just beef up the rhythm and then um, put the vocals on and, and had written lyrics and stuff. And um, although they were pretty dated, I think we even make fun of the Jonas bros on one of them. Yeah, we do. Um, which is very old. And, uh, but just if if I if I will say so myself, it was a really cool time to be just fun to be working with those gentlemen. Yeah, and they're just good guys. And obviously, besides uh, Sam and Monty, there was also Ryan Larsh on the lead guitar, and also Mike Meyer on the bass. And I think Mike Meyer was one of like early in my days. He kind of got me started into music because of the bass guitar. It was kind of easy for me because I have really big hands, which is really weird. But then I like I ended up figuring out guitar pretty well, and I kind of took that kind of took over for me and i remember you know when we were when we were first putting stuff together i was actually working just as a duo with uh, a guy named keenan and when we really kind of got more serious and we were thinking that this this stuff that we were putting together needed that extra extra boost we were like well we need a bass guitar player and then we had a bass guitar we had a bass amp and we had this awesome practice space and writing space and i said i know a guy and yeah. and it was like, just, I mean, it was perfect. It just like the clicked. timing wise, it clicked. And, Everything and clicked. I called Russ and I invited him to the to the studio space, and uh, almost instantly, Russ had the the perfect bass licks for everything that we had already recorded and then and we it, i brought a synthesizer with me so we add synthesizers yeah. to it and everything it turned out really good. and and just as a side note because i think about this and i have to pat myself on the back every once in a while um I remember you sat down at the synth, tried, 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 
Couldn't come up with anything. Keenan even sat down. He tried, tried, tried. I sat down. First takes everything. It was like, yeah, you had like a. I already had a it. super awesome synthesizer lead, which on is really everything cool. yeah. for all of those songs. It was crazy, and and never once touched a keyboard in my life before you brought that Korg over, and then uh, just put it together. But that's reminiscent of the fact that Monty and the guys from um, Subside here were just that way. Yeah, all had 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 natural talent. Um, one of the guys that you mentioned, Ryan Larsh, he's in size fives. Yeah, and um, I think Mike's in. He was in Meat Pig, which was like a metal band from Milwaukee. Yeah, I had and seen, I think he's still. In, he might be in size fives. As he well. might be in size fives. I think too. he might be the bass player for size fives. I'm not. Are 100%. we saying that right? It's size fives, but it, is there something else before it? Anyway, I don't, but um, yeah, from Milwaukee area, obviously. But uh, this song that we feature today is Bill, which has a super special meaning. I mean, it's it was uh, based on a suicide that occurred and uh, kind of a special meaning to me I, I love the lyrics in it i don't know about you eric but the lyrics are just phenomenally written i think it's well put together i love this song um in the beginning uh the opening uh to everything the intro is uh is that of old school punk and pop punk uh the way that it it comes in with the mono i think it's all coming in on the right side channel of just this guitar that's overly driven uh, a single coil, I think. So somebody's playing like a strat, and then it kicks in. Yeah. And it's like uh, once that that first few licks come in in the intro of that that monoed guitar, all of a sudden it goes stereo and it's yeah, it's it's uh, really cool. And I'm glad that uh, we both had a chance to work with some of these amazing individuals yeah. in this band and know them personally. And uh, like you said, this this uh, this particular song is uh really 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 awesome and and uh i know your brother matt uh really enjoys this yeah. so and he's an it's, avid listener of the podcast and gives us suggestions all the time so. and it's it's great to listen to you because i get to hear my brother's voice and uh rest in peace monty and without further ado here is bill
right. Again, that was Subside. Uh, the song was Bill. Again, very close uh, to our hearts. We love that uh, that stuff, and we're just really glad that it's around to stand the test of time and give us that uh, give us that itch when we you know, or yeah. give us the scratch when we when we're feeling an itch. I always, I you know, the one thing I always remember is uh, before my brother passed away, we ended up making out to California and had like the best time. It was like super spiritual yeah. journey. It was just so good. That you you and Monty's trip to California is. Um, it's one of those things that I just remember seeing, you know, a couple posts on social media while you're driving out and, and it was a, a road trip. So it was just yeah. amazing to see all the different roadside stops you guys made. And then when you guys Dino- finally made it out there, dinosaurs and freaking, we went to like yeah, these weird diners of cliffs. and shit. Yeah. Weird diners, um, overlooks of cliffs. It was just, it was like kind of spiritual for me. And I, I always cherish that moment. It was really an awesome time in my life to be with him. And then, you know, the Packer bar that was out there in the middle oh, of California. We were the you know, only California. two Packers fans in our fucking Raiders Or was bar. it a Raiders bar? It was okay. a Raiders bar and like the Raiders were playing the Packers and we were the only Packers fans Which in is there. tough, man. You, with the Raiders, you got to watch out because there's been some stabbings at the I know. Like and we, in Monty was getting like pretty like, yeah, well, you know, and they won that game. Here's the thing. I tell, I tell your, your uh, stepmom this all the time. She... And Monty and, and all of her boys are the hardcorest Packer fans I've ever met in my whole life. Oh, my God. Our house is like Janine, a freaking event Janine, when the Packers are on. Janine, the day, uh, it was Brett Favre's last game with the Packers. So this was uh, Packers, uh, New York Giants. This is a playoff, NFC Championship game, actually. Um, Brett Favre obviously ends up throwing an interception at the end of the game. But I was over there for that game with uh, your cousin Eric, you. I mean, it, the whole house was full. And I remember sitting on your stairs, going up to your bedroom, and I was watching the, the, um, the game, sitting on the stairs, looking into your little like family room upstairs, and just when he threw that, I was like, I don't even know if I could be in here right now. I feel like yeah, this whole this, thing's going to turn the into intensity a shit show. is the intensity is just strong in this household right now, and and the absolute animosity that happens after a loss in the NFC playoffs or in the NFC championship in the playoffs is like crazy. But anyway, like I said, um, very hardcore Packer fans. So I can only imagine how Monty was acting in a Raiders bar just with the absolute gall to, to even cheer for the Packers would be crazy. Yeah. uh, It was, it was pretty nuts, but it was also fun because we just got off the beach and we were like covered in sand and like smelled like hell because we were basically on the road for like a week, you know, so our socks smell, our shirts smelled. I asked you so many times because you, you had the, the Toyota Prius at the time. Yeah. And then you and I took a a road trip in the Prius out west. Oh, to Colorado. Colorado. And, uh, I asked you about all like the pen stains and shit that were on like the seat. Oh, yeah. You were like, yeah, Monty was over there writing shit and like. Yeah, yeah. It was just drawing. You guys were drawing. We were doodling fucking these funny cartoons. Yeah, Yeah. these funny cartoons and stuff. So. We we ended up, we, one night we were so tired and we had to like stop for a minute. So we stopped at this place called uh, Whiskey Pete. Oh, of course. It's called Whiskey Pete's Casino. I think every town has one. It, so we went to Whiskey Pete's Casino, and like it was like in the middle of the night, probably 3 a.m., so everything, we j- we just said, we're just whistling along like Whiskey Pete. And like th- then, uh, no, I'm it was- just whistling Whiskey it was, Pete. It was Whistling Pete was the name of it, but Whiskey Pete was his evil cousin because they kept calling it Whiskey Pete. And uh, it yeah. became an inside joke, so like Whiskey Pete's like his evil duo, like he's just a dick. It's like, <laughs> like it's like the Balistrieries yeah. and the Blastrieries. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the two that's evil like families. It's like the the Hatfields and McCoys. Oh yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh we're going to move on to our beer review segment which uh you know, we've uh we've gained some friends because of this. Yeah, uh, actually people give us cool suggestions too because of this. Honestly. And Carbon 4 reached out to us just last 
two weeks ago, three for weeks like ago. For like a party. Yeah, they were doing a uh, brew party. for. They were actually going to be roasting the marshmallows that go into the threat level midnight. And so that was happening. But because we had you know done like two or three carbon four beers, they were like, guys, we don't even know how to repay you. But can we give you some threat level midnight once this thing is brewed? And we were like, yes. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of course, yes. Do you mean that you'll give us beer? That's cool. Yeah, um, for sure. I we're mean, into that. I mean, most of our Patreon money goes to beer and music. Like yeah. everything we've made has gone to beer and music. Yeah, honestly. we've had an amazing Every single dollar. We've had an amazing run here, and and uh, we hope to continue. And we've had a great relationship with Third Space and Mobcraft and yeah. um, Broken Bat. We've had some really cool uh, interactions with some of these really legendary uh, uh, Wisconsin breweries. Uh, obviously, those ones that I just mentioned were mostly Milwaukee based. But uh, Carbon 4 is Madison-based, and we've had some really cool stuff happen because of all this. 1840 is another one. I reached out to them, and, and they said the first time we did a, they a review. They gave us beer. They gave us the beer. They gave us the he's beer to like, try and review. He's like, are you going to be in the area? And I said, yeah, I'm actually going down to uh, Crafty Cow uh, to get some chicken uh, with my wife. And they were like, please stop by. We'll give you, uh, you know, here's this new beer that we're coming out with. We'll give you that. And then in a week, when you guys are reviewing it, it'll be... It'll be released and, and it'll be like perfect timing. I was like, <laughs> yeah. who am I to say no? Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm in. I'll take her. So today we're actually dealing with another 1840 brew. This one we purchased um, because we also like to be able to fund stuff. We don't like yeah, to yeah. just take. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're not above taking, but at the same time, this one is actually called Bootable Offense, which is written in the uh, uh, Simpsons font and it is an IPA. And it is a dry hopped India pale ale. So the one thing that we should say about dry hopping is their pellets. They are like created pellet form, a uh, little like, you know, little, um, they almost look like turds. Yeah. I um, mean, you can also use a uh, hop cone flowers too, but you have to have a good way to sift them out. So I made that right. mistake because we, yeah, I put cones right into my we've fermenters done that and like not, it turned out pretty gnar. Well, you get, you just end up messy. with a lot of sediment. It was messy. Yeah. It was like. And those ones, you know, you could consider hazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, pretty um, much. But this this is a dry hopped uh, India pale ale. And uh, it, it, true to IPA fashion, you can smell it, the dankness. It, smell, it smells like marijuana. It smells like weed. It smells like straight up like. It smells like a good some, dank bud. Yeah, someone um, went to Sunnyside, picked up some bud down in Illinois and came back. and. But this one's 7%. So again, true to IPA fashion. Kicking in right in that kind of five to eight range uh, with most IPAs. This one falls right in there at seven. Um, like we said, it definitely smells like your normal IPA with a little bit of that dankness, which it's is rad. It's super dank. It's good. It has like a dry finish. Definitely the hops coming through hard. I mean, like the hops are really and you know, through. You know what's also neat, Russ, is that this isn't like a, this isn't like uh, the IPAs that you and I have done because it doesn't use any of the hops that we've used. We've probably used them, but yeah, it's yeah. not the ones that we typically yeah, use. It's actually, not Citra. It's not Mosaic. So this dry hopped India Pale is actually brewed with the Eclipse Hop, which we've never used. I don't think we've used Australia that. and Bergamot hops from Michigan, and we've, we've never we've I don't we might have used Bergamot. A Bergamot before. We've used Bergamot. Um, but yeah, this one comes. They actually give you the batch number when this was made. This is number two hundred twenty thousand nine hundred fifty-seven. I was going to mention neat. that like, that on every bottle that they do, which they don't can, they use. Uh, um, these uh, really cool like a, medicine bottles. Yeah, it's like an is, old brown medicine bottle. Which is what they do. 1840 is kind of built off of that that 
that old idea of, of medicine. And this is, you know, basically booze used to be considered some sort of medicine. Yeah. Um, this is right there in the Bayview uh, region of Milwaukee. So on the south side of Milwaukee, um, very close to Walker's Point. It's kind of like on the border between the two, um, but into Bayview and you are going down a little side street. Um, and uh, the location is amazing. When you first walk in, it has this old like speakeasy kind of feel like you, you you're like, am I walking into the yeah, right yeah. place? Is this really where this this brewery is? And then all of a sudden you walk in and then you see the counter and everything. And you're like, all right, I'm in the right fucking joint. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. This is rad. Um, they did a great job during covid, too, which is actually when they gave us our beer. Um, they did an amazing job of being able to still they weren't taking anybody in for drinking at the place, but they were doing takeaways, you know, carryouts, and they did a fantastic job. They gave us a bunch of stickers that day um, that I now have on our, our basement refrigerator, the oh, studio yeah. refrigerator, I should say, uh, which the studio is in my basement. Um, uh, no surprise there, I would imagine. <laughs> we don't have the funds to have a, a separate studio, yeah, yeah. but um, amazing beer, man. I love it. Yeah, I mean, 1840s, probably some pretty quality beer from the milwaukee area i highly recommend you guys check this one out me and eric actually went to sendix today and they have quite the selection to be yeah it, and it's neat because uh where i live now is near Sendix, and i had gone to sendix before uh, but never really for beer i had gone there because they have an amazing selection of produce and meats and uh and obviously with it being a uh a, a local type wisconsin grocer I always felt, you know, like I had to go there. Like and, if you're near it, you got to go because it's it's supporting local. And I actually learned something today. The uh, <laughs> Milwaukee Mafia family. Yeah, Balistreri's. Balistreri actually yeah. owns Sundix. Yeah, which is, is pretty a, cool. The is MKE Mafia, based. it's a Milwaukee based. Yeah. Really cool. And it's and and the fact that they have this amazing beer selection uh is great. A few of the ones that we were that we were sifting through today weren't wisconsin they were uh based out of illinois there was one in new york uh one in california i think too so gotta watch out if you want to buy some of those products you can obviously with us we try to keep it all wisconsin based we've had a couple weirdos on here but that's about it i think we did one with uh, the violent femmes because we featured the violent femmes on that episode i think that was Port the Rex. only one that we did it that was been, not yeah um but it, it made too much sense and they sent it to us yeah, exactly. Um, they were like, it was like a beer trade. Check it out. It was a beer trade. Yeah. So, uh, hey, give us some New Glarus, and we were like, all right, you give us, you give something. us, a, you give us some sick violent femmes from Canada, to body. And that was the thing. Like, if if it hadn't been a beer trade, we probably wouldn't have featured it. But the fact that it was so perfect, you know, and and again, it's still tied to Wisconsin because it was the artist. The artist exactly. was from Wisconsin, so I loved it. And uh, eighteen forty is is arguably my favorite craft brewer in the area uh it's, yeah, because they turn out the stuff that i really like i mean yeah i mean it's it's definitely a toss-up 1840 eagle park mob lake craft. front mobcraft they're producing some of the best beers you could possibly have and even like the place like carbon four i mean it's a legendary beer if i make a six pack i put fantasy a carbon factory. four fantasy factory in there i put yeah. an 1840 ipa in Lupulin there or whatever what do you do uh, um, the uh, Pearl Street Lupa, uh, Linalool. Linalool, not Lupulin. Yeah, yeah sorry. and then uh, their 1840. <laughs> is that even a thing? Is that a disease? Lupulin? Uh, I put an 1840 IPA in there, Lakefront IPA, to give them like the yeah. true Wisconsin flavors. That's I mean, what's like, cool. Just and, unreal. And like you mentioned before, and, and I don't want to tangent off too much with the, with the other breweries, but, you know, 
uh, Mobcraft is always my experimental. I go with yeah, them yeah. because they they do some stuff that's just fucking wild. And then I love Eagle Park because their sours are the absolute best. Uh, they make some of the coolest, like, uh, and, and their beer is great. But I, I'm just saying, like, for for you know the the reasons why I go to certain places over some is because they just do one thing very very well over and above everybody else. So when it comes to like their sours. Or even like uh, their seltzers are amazing. That yeah, uh, yeah. what is it? That one that uh, the Ghostbusters one, the Ecto Cooler. Oh, that was awesome with the Slimer. And I still like, drink it. Oh, dude. I, I, I mean, anytime that I can, I pick up Ecto Cooler. And I and and you got to have a couple in the fridge because God, it, it's just so good. Yeah, like Lining Kugel Sunset Weed. Or if Lining you're gonna if you're, weed. if you're gonna do a new Glarus beer, the uh, Moon Man. If you're a really Moon huge Man fan is of you're fan, two fan women. Of, oh yeah, if you're a fan of grapefruit, Moon Man is like your beer. Yep. It is phenomenal. And two women is probably easily my favorite new Glarus beer. Um, not only because it's a, a tasty ass beer, but because when you order it there, you can just be like, uh, I'll take uh, two women, and I'll also have a beer. That's like the perfect pickup line. I know. So, I mean, that bartender was Winter cute. Soldier. You're not you. fooling anybody. Yeah, buddy. yeah. Right. The inside joke, but uh, yeah, but just yeah. If you get a chance, head to Sendix. Yeah, uh, head to Sendix. You can get pretty much any one of the ones that we've just talked about. They yep. feature all of those breweries. You might get whack because it's a. It, it's how do you inside mafia. It's inside mafia. Balustreries. Balustreries. Yeah, I screwed that up on the previous episode. That was one of our flops. Like that said, episode you know, is it, a complete flop. It well, it, well we were so drunk. It's fine. At that point, you know, okay. It happens. We've had we've had another episode that we couldn't air because it was too bad that we oh, were yeah. drunk and a couple of them where um, we like we did like three a day and we're like, dude, we should not release this. This is it bad. was it was worse when we tried to do like five. Yeah, like, we've we've, we've, we've done that ahead. before. Oh yeah, uh, it was bad. And in the winter of you know twenty twenty, I think it was like the first year we we were doing this. Um, Russ and I would try to beef out you know like five or six episodes in a go. And when you realize that you're doing, you know, four or five drinks in each one, you're like, oh, fuck, man, I'm wrecked by the time we get to four or five. And, and then to, to push a six, you know. Yeah. And then the way to go home with my breathalyzer, it's like I had to sit here for a long time. with the. There were nights, man. There were nights when you were pretty you, late. You stayed until like four in the morning, hey, five I, in the morning. I slept in your driveway one That's night. That's what I'm saying. I, it was it was bad. That was a rough I was, one. Man. I was really pukey. But that's the thing. That, but, like, at least we're smart and we say, you know what? If you can't drive, don't. If you have to do something special to try to sober yourself up, you can't drive. Yeah, that, no that, more that I'm gonna chug water. No, nope, because if I help had you. to, an eight hundred dollar Uber ride back home is better than DUI. One hundred percent. That is where we will end this segment. Grab a seat, gather around, join us for a chat. How many locos you have? All right, folks, you know what that means. It's time for our macho man, Randy Savage voice here. Eric, help me out. How many locals you at? This one's... Uh, I'm all steroided this out. This one's involving one of my favorite fiberglass cows, Bernice. Yeah, yeah. So, Russ, uh, we were just talking about this two seconds ago before we uh, before we got on air here, and you were like, uh, hey, uh, remember that, that, that cow, Bernice? There was an OWI that involved that. Let's talk about that. And I was like, all right, sounds good, man. Anything that um, involves Bernice, this one of the one, greatest statues in Wisconsin. And this one in particular, we will actually say the person who got in trouble. And, and the only reason why I say that is because it is such a prominent thing. People already know what this is. This is a few I mean. years ago, yeah. uh, five years ago, in fact. So 
it's out there. I'm not going to be shameful on this Don't, one. Just let her rip. It, you just got to let her rip tater chip. Manitowoc Alderman Michael Howe arrested for OWI. That is the article title. Never good when you got a political official involved. Bernice, liquor. And we did. So we did do the Elkhorn mayor. Yeah. Uh, who who uh, we did not say his name and we won't. Uh, I did play softball with that individual. Um, he is a dumb idiot. and uh, But this one, also a dumb idiot. Uh, Manitowoc Common, Common Council Alderman Michael Howe was arrested in the early morning hours of July 4th uh, after being seen with a group of individuals trying to mount Bernice, um, the giant cow statue in front of Cedar Crest Dairy uh, that is on South 10th Street there in Manitowoc. He's just trying to pump a cow. Yeah, well, I mean, you, sometimes you just want to get on the back and uh, saddle up, baby. Ride a cow, baby. Um, According to report uh, from the Manitowoc County Sheriff's Department, around 1.30 a.m. on the 4th of July, a caller from Cedar Crest Dairy said a group of individuals were trying to climb the cow, including one who appeared impaired and had a hard time talking and walking. Um, that's never good. Uh, Howe said he did, try, he did not try to climb the cow, uh, but was screwing around with a group of friends near the cow. Um, they were trying to reach the cedar crest. Jesus dude. Christ. They were trying to crest. They were trying to crest the hill there. Uh, <laughs> Manitowoc police officers responded to Howe's home. The registered owner of the car seen at Cedar Crest Dairy and officers believed Howe seemed like he had been drinking. Oof. The police officers then requested assistance from the county sheriff's department to avoid conflicting interests um, uh, with Howe in the because uh, he's the city alderman, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. You got to get the uh, the the uh, sheriffs involved instead of uh, you know just city. But anyway, after deputies from the sheriff's department arrived, they asked how if he had been drinking and if he had also been driving. How admitted to the deputy that he had been drinking at the Vic Ferrari concert earlier that night and driving. How completed a number of field sobriety tests and submitted a breathalyzer test, which read point one six eight, which that's double. double. Um, and, uh, he obviously had already admitted that he was driving. So those two things alone, pretty good indicators that this guy is going to jail. Uh, how also submitted a blood draw, which, uh, he was transported to the uh, jail after that. And he was held for a mandatory 12 hour. Um, how was charged with operating while intoxicated for a first offense and uh, will appear in court uh, 11 a.m. August 8th. That was back in 2017, so... This is an older article. All this stuff is, is already kind of uh, seen its way through. Um, How at the time had no comment on the charge uh, or any of the court proceedings, um, but said he did cooperate fully with police, and he believes in the justice system. So the justice system also believes in you, bud, and you're going to fucking jail. Um, trying to mount a cow. Just kidding. Bernice. It's his first offense. He's not going to jail. He'll actually probably just get revoked for a year or six months. Rather, he'll be able to get an occupational right away. I'm sure uh, all that stuff is already well and through the system and he is back to normal. Uh, the problem is here. You've got a, a city alderman. Uh, it, not good to, to be out in public drunk and then to do something stupid. You, you should... As, as a public figure like that, think to yourself before doing the stupid shit like, hey, uh, we probably shouldn't do that because I have a, a, a greater um, stake in the game here to not be dumb. Whether it's Sissy, Bernice, Gertrude, or any of the other fiberglass cows in our state, uh, right. when you're drinking, just try not to mount. 
Well, and, and again, don't 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 stick a lick of sore thumb. I mean, Bernice does not want to get um, violated. No, you don't want to. You don't want to ever. You know, go. <laughs> I, I got a dumb uh, joke, okay. but I'm yeah, not gonna say it. Just do it. Just do it. No, I, I'm gonna avoid it. The problem is, just move along. Yeah, no means out. no. Um, <laughs> don't mount a fiberglass cow. Also, again, just to reiterate, if you've got that additional stake in the game, the additional skin in the game of being a public figure, you have a lot more to lose than your fucking idiot friends. Knock it off. You just got to have a better sense of things. You can't go out and do dumb shit. Hashtag moo too. <laughs> That's what we're doing here, dude. Let's just start and, it. And here's Leave the, the Bernice alone. Leave Bernice alone. She's a good looking cow. No more cow. tipping cows. She no more. a nice brown coat on her. Yeah. If you're going to tip something, tip your waiters and waitresses. Okay? There you go. <laughs> And bartenders, but the thing is, is uh, you gotta you gotta know better. And this individual, you know, decided um, I don't really care about my public uh, figure and and my public position in in the uh, in politics, and I'm gonna risk it all to get on the back of a fucking Cedar Crest cow. Bernice, Bessie, whatever you decide, just don't do it. Move to movement. So with all that being said, Russ, where are we at here? So we got we you got have an a, idea. We got a drunk alderman raping cow, Cedar Crest cow, Bernice. Double the legal limit, and this is double, double the legal, legal limit after they go to his house. So like he's he, he's pretty drunk. I mean, he was even more drunk when he was fucking around over at Cedar Crest. Yeah, like even more in the bag. So let's uh, say he wasn't milking beers; like he was chugging these bad boys. I mean, he absolutely sorry for was. the shitty bad joke. Yeah, but pun. Pun intended. Um, so my point is, I'm gonna I'm gonna go from the point that he's at his most intoxicated, not going off the point one six that he had at the time that the officers confronted him at his house. So I have a number that I think is pretty good. Yeah. Do you want to go on three two um, one and see what we got here? The only thing I want to do is a caveat is say that there was no like accident involved. Um, he safely made it to his destination. So yeah, yeah. keep that in mind when we're trying to telepathically give each other this number so we can maybe be in the same vicinity here, okay? So, on three. One, two, three, 15, 12. 15 loco, I was thinking. Okay. Like, so, not quite the black up, but he's on the borderline. Let's go 13. 13 loco on this one? I can meet you at 13. The let's do I don't want to go all the way to the 14. Catorce. Is that Catorce? It's... <laughs> Quatrace. <laughs> Good enough. Quartet. Yeah. Uh, so good. yeah. Your Spanish is good. We're, we're going to go with 13. I like right. it, and I feel like we're I feel like we're spot on there. All right. Let's sound the gavel. All right. That concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening, and remember as always, watch out for deer on your way home. home.